Good afternoon, everybody. Today we're going to be discussing a biblical worldview, or sharing what I think should be a biblical worldview of a godly man. Start my timer. So let's start with Bible verse. Let's start all the way over in Proverbs. You would turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 2. We'll go ahead and get that as our biblical text to get started with. He that walketh in his uprightness feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. And then again in 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God has a certain way for us to be living, and if we're not doing that, we're going to be running into a lot of trouble. So, where does a biblical worldview for a man start? Well, I think it starts with dominion. All the way back in Genesis, the beginning of our Bible, there is an important mandate that God gave to all of us, especially men, and it's uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Dominion. God wants, if we are God-fearing and want to follow his commandments, for us to have dominion, take charge, be a man. But as verse uh, 28 there in Genesis 1 states, um, and God blessed them. He didn't bless just Adam. He blessed Eve as well. So you guessed it. You can't do that without a woman. Men, you need a good woman in your life. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 19. Verse 12. Matthew 19, verse 12. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. That may be the wrong verse. But essentially, the point is, there's another verse that I must have mistaken. Essentially, it is not good that a man should be alone. Verse 10. Ah. Thank you. Yes. So let's go ahead and move on as well to Genesis 2.24. Bouncing back and forth between Genesis might be worthwhile to put a bookmark over in Genesis. Genesis 2.24. So now that we know that you can't complete dominion without a woman in your life, without marrying, without having your help meet, let's uh, look a little bit into that from the, from the Bible. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his flesh, and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. When you become married, you become a new institution. You become something that God can work with to have dominion over the earth. As a singular person, you're not going to be able to do as much as you can with a good wife backing you up. And wives, you're not going to be able to do much in this world, biblically speaking, without having a good husband at your side. Our biblical worldview must be shared. It must be shared. Find someone who shares your biblical worldview. Maybe you'll have to discuss it a little bit. Maybe you'll have a couple of areas that need working out, but that's part of 
You know, the natural part of marriage, there should be communication. Let each other know these things even before you're married. So, now that we have a wife in play, let's go ahead and look at the next part of biblical, uh, my biblical worldview, our biblical worldview, hopefully, and how to take dominion. How do we com- continue taking dominion? And that's through children. Children are the most important thing in a marriage. Just like verse 28 says in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply. Now I started at the end of things, and we're starting going back to the beginning, but I think it made a little bit more sense to do it that way. So children, be fruitful and multiply. Let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and look at Psalm chapter 127. I'm sure that many of us have all heard this verse in chapter 127 stated multiple times. But nonetheless, I think it's an important one to touch on. It's in verse 3. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Are you seeking to follow God's commandments? Are you seeking to follow what God has planned for you? Children are a part of that. The culture of today does not like children. Children are, they're spoken of as, oh, you don't want them. They're so much work. Oh, you don't have, yeah, you're going to have to do this. It's going to be a financial burden. Coming up with all the excuses of why you don't want to have children. The Bible doesn't say that. So let's not be paying attention to the world. Let's be paying attention to the Bible. After all, biblical worldview starts with the Bible. You can't have that worldview if you don't have the Word of God. That's where we should all be starting at. So, as a husband and wife, it's up to us to help form the character of our children the way God would have it to be. For example, let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter 20. Let's look at a couple verses on children. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. And again in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. How do we know which way he should go? Well, of course, the word of God. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Your biblical worldview will stop dead in its tracks if you are the last person to share it. If you don't share it with your children, it's not going anywhere. It'll stop with you. That's part of the whole dominion mandate, going back to Genesis, be fruitful and multiply. It doesn't mean just have a bunch of kids and let them do whatever they want. You have to give them your biblical worldview. That is the most important thing. Uh, Let's also look, for example, at uh, Proverbs 13, verse 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Chastens him in the law of God. So, what about children is it that we can do? Make their goals in life and their worldview that of the Bibles. For example, when your son or your daughter are growing up, are you teaching them, hey, your most important thing in life is to get the best paying job you can so that way you can provide for your wife? Okay, that's a good thing, but no, that should not be the first That should not be the first goal. Your first goal should be make their first and foremost goal to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and then those other things that are good if used in the right context. When your son grows up, would he put away a job that is good paying to be able to stay in a congregation rather than being off working somewhere on a Sabbath? That's not a biblical worldview. You can come up with however many excuses you want, and I know it's easy for me to say working from home, but God will bless you if you make an effort to focus on him and his word. As a father and as a man, if you don't do these things, guess what? Your children are sponges. They're looking at you. They're seeing what you're doing. And guess what? To your worst fears, they might grow up to be the way that you are. What's that saying? Do as I do, or do as I say, not as I do. It's foolishness. Do as I do, and do it the right way. Do it the way that God wants you to do it. As a family whole now, we've got the man with his wife, and we've got the children now. Let's extract a little bit um, from the Bible, uh, and let's go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 11. Let's touch base back on all of our three principles. Man, wife, and children. Three things. God likes threes. Deuteronomy 11, chapter 19. Speaking of children, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of the law, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Now that verse could probably be longer to include more things, but let's be fair. All of those things stated in Deuteronomy, that's a lot of, you're doing that a lot of times. You're sitting a lot, you're walking a lot, you're lying down a lot, and you're rising up a lot. And each time we're told, teach your children the law. When you wake up in the morning, why not say a little prayer? Why not have a little Bible study in the evening before you go to bed? The same thing. doesn't have to be long. But if it's always in their mind and always in their heart, repetition, muscle memory, the law of God will be in their heart. And the timer has said that my time has ended. Um, ending notes. Praise God. Um, I hope that this little short sermon gives you an idea of what we as men, we as wives, and those of us who are children should be doing in our lives and our parts in the family and their perspective in our biblical worldview of the father, the mother, and the children. Thank you for your time. God bless you. All right. Our John, you love you. All right. So let me introduce John Wiggy. Some of you know John Wiggy. Uh, she is not. Not, and he has uh, four daughters, right? Mm -hmm. Four is four, and uh, uh, well, he does four daughters, right? Penelope, uh, Madeline, Eloise. Did you got it. Class. You got it. Oh yeah, you're almost there. And and Lucy, and Lucy. And Lucy. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, Jonathan, glad you're here. God yeah. bless you. Oh, very very glad to be here. So, uh, Pastor uh, approached us. Uh, 
a week or two ago and asked us to uh, compile our thoughts on our biblical worldview, which, uh, as you know, is a fairly broad topic. Um, there, the Bible is a very, very deep book, and there is a lot of information that we can glean from it. Um, but if I had to compile a, uh, you know, a short 10-minute speech on my biblical worldview, this is what I got. So, okay, from the very beginning, before time had ever even been created, God has always existed. Uh, he's a, be a being so infinite and vast that he is incomprehensible to us, and I'm sure that our attempts to describe him all fall far short of the mark. He is outside the universe while simultaneously coursing all through it, uh, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Uh, in a word, uh, he is amazing. Uh, God created the universe, and he created all of us, too. So it naturally follows that we ought to try our very best to understand his nature and his desires and to look to him for purpose and for guidance. From the beginning, we are told that God existed in not one, but three parts. Uh, I had never really thought of it this way until I read uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, which is an author that I am fond of, Christian author. But if God were only one, then uh, John's statement that God is love uh, would not have been true before he created anyone else, uh, because love is something that one person has for another. God was never singular, instead always existing in three parts. Uh, there is God the Father, and Christ his Son, and there, then there is the perfect love that is shared between them, a love which is dynamic and full and eternal, and actually takes on a life and a personality of its own in the third part of God that we worship, the Holy Spirit. Now, this seems inconceivable almost, uh, but in our lives we can, we can witness uh, the same sort of thing, um, how when people get together in a family or in a club or in a church, they develop certain ways of interacting with each other and behaving that is unique to that group. Uh, they take on a sort of communal personality or uh, spirit. Of course, what is formed is not actually a flesh and blood person in the same way that you and I are a flesh and blood person, but it is rather like a person. In God, what grows out of the joint life of the Father and the Son is a real person, uh, is in fact the third of the three persons who are God. So from the very beginning, God is love. He has always loved. It is a core part of who God is. It is his nature to give of himself and to create and to build up and to exalt and to multiply and praise God for this. God in his infinite goodness and for his good pleasure uh, created mankind. He created man, the Bible says, in his own image at the pinnacle of his creation. A part of what made man unique was God's gift of free will. No other creature in God's kingdom was given this gift. Uh, man's free will enables us to love. To love God, to become one with his spirit, and to join with the body of Christ is our highest purpose in this life. God created man to share his kingdom with, to lift us up, to change us from dust into something of great value to him. God created us because God is love. He loves to create. He loves to bring order to chaos. He loves to fill the void with his goodness. So bound up in the meaning of love is the necessity for it to be given freely. Uh, love that is compelled is not truly love in its highest form. 
Uh, a relationship can begin with some degree of compulsion, but when it is complete, no compulsion remains. Uh, and you can recall uh, these passages from Scripture. Uh, on one hand, you have, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the law is a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. Then on the other hand, you have, Perfect love casteth out all fear, and the Lord hath not given us the spirit of fear. As Christians, we understand that oftentimes relationships do not begin completely free. Uh, think of a relationship between a parent and a child. Without a healthy degree of guidance, that relationship will not run a good course. The child will end up ruling the parent in complete backwards fashion and will become a little hellion. And so we are told to spare not the rod. But every good parent desires to raise children that will one day live their lives in accordance to how they were taught as children and do this not out of fear, but out of love for their parents. That loving obedience is what God desires of each one of us. The way that God has fashioned us and the relative freedom that he has bestowed upon us enables us, in time and with God's help, to reach this state of perfection, to be in perfect, free communion with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. So this bestowal of free will that enables us to love God unto perfection also allows us to, re to reject God. This was the case with Lucifer, God's chief angel who rejected his creator, insisting that God had no right to rule him, had no right to dictate what was right and what was wrong. Satan insisted that he could be his own God, and this great deception ran deep. He was able to persuade a third of the angels to rise up against God, and he went on to spread this lie to man, God's crowning creation. This rebellious spirit of Satan, the father of lies, has plagued mankind like a cancer ever since the fall. And it is this great lie that we must all wrestle against if we desire communion with our father. We are not our own. We are his. Since the fall of man, our natures have been corrupted. Every single one of us is born damaged and broken. We are born natural rebels to God's perfect holy order. As Christians, we must learn to lay down our arms and surrender to our Creator, to turn full speed astern and tune out all of the garbage that we think we know, and to listen attentively to the voice of our Father in heaven alone. Our own natural desires lead us on a path to destruction. We are our own worst enemies. It is only in the death of our own sinful nature and the rebirth of the nature of Christ that we can escape damnation. We must be emptied of all of our filth so that uh, we can be cleaned and filled with the Spirit of God. So this self-emptying is a process to be carried out over the course of our lives. Each and every one of us is born selfish, and it is God's will that we be transformed from completely self-centered to completely God-centered. God desires nothing less than perfection for each and every one of us. We are to be conformed to the image of his Son. We must all repent of the centuries of wickedness that has been trained into us. And repentance is no fun at all. Uh, this is a, another one from C.S. Lewis that I, I, I really appreciated. But um, it, repentance is essentially, it, it, it involves a kind of death, uh, killing a part of ourselves. And ironically, only a bad person needs to repent. But only a good person can repent perfectly. That's quite a conundrum. 
Of course, without the loving hand of our Father in heaven to guide us on this path to perfection, we are hopelessly lost. If there is any lesson that the Bible teaches us, it is that we cannot do it on our own. Satan is a liar. We are Christ's sheep. He is our good shepherd. Our only hope in this life is that God is a good, gracious, loving God and has provided the one truly good man, our kinsman according to the flesh, and God Almighty according to his spirit, to atone for our manifold sins and wickedness, to remember the covenant that God gave our father Abraham, and redeem us all from hell and death and the bondage of sin. He has provided the one true perfect sacrifice for all of us here, and has freely given us the unimaginable privilege to call him father. Behold what manner of love the Father hath given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. We should all be immensely grateful for the gift that God has given us. Going forward, let us press to the high mark of Christ our Lord and strive to live by his example. Not to try to earn our own salvation, but to please our Heavenly Father, who has given us life. Let us take up our cross and follow him. Be quick to admit fault eager to forgive, seeking correction and welcoming adversity, understanding that God is our Father, and he chastens those whom he dearly loves, so that one day we can be truly one with him. Thank you. Okay, <clears throat> thank you for coming everyone, and thank you Jonathan and Zeke. Uh, I guess to start off, as it's been mentioned, um, biblical worldview is pretty, could be a broad subject. Um, so to me, when I think about that, obviously there's a lot of different things that could be said, but uh, some of them already have been mentioned, one being taking dominion, another being being fruitful and multiplying, uh, teaching the gospel, um, he that loveth me keepeth my commandments and live in the world uh, but, uh, but not of the world um, <clears throat> so today with my time I'm not going to focus too much on those specific items um, I'm going to deviate just a little bit uh, but before I do um, just thinking about this subject in general, um, uh, I don't think that, well, biblical worldview to me isn't worth much without action. If we're not willing to do something in our lives um, to, to bring it forth to others, I think that we need to act in order to give our beliefs uh, any substance. Um, and part of the reason I'm not going to focus 
on, on any of these specific items I've mentioned is because we're all here at the Feast of Passover together celebrating. So I would hope that we all have sim similar biblical worldviews to begin with. Um, so I think that we as a people and I as an individual, we need to focus on improving the world locally around us and the lives of those around us. Um, what good are we if, if we only speak our opinions rather than leading forth and setting an example? I think we need to sacrifice and all have some skin in the game. Um, whatever variety of, uh, whatever that may be. I mean, there's different ways to sacrifice and different ways to serve God. Um, so this, this does take a vision, it takes planning. Um, and I'm not going to focus much on my vision either. <laughs> uh, but how, how, do we, how do we accomplish the vision that we have is what I kind of want to look at. Because um, I know we all have different avenues that we might focus on in life and no, no person's vision is the exact same. We're all different people. Um, <clears throat> so I, uh, what I want to do is just, I guess, look at some tips that will help guide us and uh, help us to better bring forth our vision in a godly, uh, Christ-like way. So if you will, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter, thir chapter 13. There's some verses in here that I'd like to read. <clears throat> Hebrews 13, I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read uh, 1 through 17. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with, with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied herein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts, whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the, the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here, we, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. So there's a lot of, uh, I think, valuable information that can be taken out of this chapter and um, I'm not, 
I've just picked out a few items to, I guess, focus on, but the first one being brotherly love. Um, it, <clears throat> we're a community and one body. I, I think if we all need to work together um, to push forward our visions together. Um, and part of doing that is to do it with love one towards another. Um, <clears throat> there's a, there, there, there can be a lot of things that drag you down or a lot of things that lift you up in your life. So if we're, uh, if we're not doing what we can to lift each other up and help push through whatever difficulties there may be, um, it, it's our putting forth our uh, biblical worldview and our vision is going to be a, a challenge. Um, secondly, cherish your marriage. I think I don't need to spend much time on this because I, th I think there's a lot of people here who do value their the marriage that they are in, their wives and husbands, children. It's all very important in in growing a community, um, <clears throat> supporting one another. Uh, another is contentment. Um, I think that it's easy to be uh, distracted by all the pretty things, all the nice things that you can get out in the world. <laughs> it's hard for me, um, but God, God does provide. If, he, if we are faithful, if we are uh, willing to serve him, um, he's going to take care of us. Uh, the next, next one would be to be bold. Um, God protects. It's, e it's easy out there in the world to um, have, uh, just to get scared, I guess, for lack of a better word. There's lots of pressures out there that can weigh you down. Um, but uh, God is a mighty God, and he's always there with us wherever we are. We just have to accept him and uh, look for him in our lives. Um, the next item I'd like to highlight would be to, to show reverence to your spiritual leaders. Um, obviously, there, there's no perfect leader ever wherever we go. Um, but I think it's important not to question God in the, in the leadership that he has provided to us. Um, our spiritual leaders aren't perfect, but we are probably less perfect, I'm guessing. So um, I, I think we need to be mindful of... Uh, doing our best not to question those who, who God has given to us uh, to guide us, to be our shepherd. And then, uh, this kind of goes along with it, but it may not necessarily, honor those who are in authority over you. Um, <clears throat> there's lots that could be said there too, but I, th these are just some of the uh, some tips that I think that can be helpful to all of us. Um, and can be encouraging to many of us. Um, <clears throat> so in closing, I would just encourage everyone to uh, keep God's commandments. It's uh, another very important thing to me that I think should be emphasized um, to keep God's law. It's not e easy, but it is important. Um, so I encourage you to follow them, uh, not in a begrudging way, um, but as though, not as though they are a yoke. Uh, God placed them, give, gave them to us uh, to guide us, to bless us, and to make our lives more fruitful.
So, um, with that, I'd like to close with the verse, a verse in Revelations. Turn to Revelations chapter 22, verse 14. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. So I uh, thank you for your time and hope this was of use. sure some of the guys were surprised, well, not surprised that Grandpa was calling us in to get our worldview and speak on it for a few minutes, let alone ten, which is, seems like an eternity, but it, it kind of flies, it, it'll, it'll fly by pretty, it flies by pretty quick when you get to talking and bang, you're not even finished and you're like, dang it. So, uh, having lived with my grandfather for a couple years prior to getting married, of course, um, I've had the pleasure of understanding him and his biblical worldview and getting a, getting a glimpse of it at least in a sense because it, there's such a giant cultural difference there with what he's experienced as, at my age and what I experience now at my age and how different it is now than it was in his time when he was a teen. And Worldview, out of the Google's dictionary, just typing it in there, is a particular philosophy of life or conception of the world. <clears throat> and he, my grandfather is really good at prying your worldview out of you, even and and making you summarize such a broad perspective into a few words, <laughs> even though it seems like it's impossible to do. And, of course, my worldview in the, in, the, in the dark side of things has always been the same. Like, you know, in the shadows, not in the darkness of the world, but like in the shadows, it's always been the same, whether, even though it's changed a little bit here and there as I've been growing up through high school and uh, moving out and getting out and a little bit into the world um, and seeing some parts of the world that I could care less to see again, and having experienced enough of it that I don't need to anymore, versus people who just just want the pleasures of the world and it's just nonstop. They they got they crave it and they have to have it every day, so that prevents them from growing up in Christ and moving on in life and seeing a greater purpose of life. So, as I've been thinking about it, and of course this this thing this. Uh, 
get together crept up pretty quick, so I'm I'm terrible at remembering things when I got to speak, and I just kind of wing it anyway. It's just guessing, kind of like my mom, she just <laughs> kind of wings it. And uh, and my, since my grandpa said I'm, he wants our biblical or worldview, I'm just going to kind of share it from my own mind without reading something on a piece of paper. I didn't want to do that. So uh, the first. And of course, when I think of worldview, that's a little bit different than putting biblical behind it. There's a little bit of difference in meaning there. Because you can have a worldview, but if it doesn't have the biblical worldview that you should have, um, it's not going to be the same. It's not going to be as important as it would be. And I'll share a couple verses here. Uh, the first one is Colossians 3, 17. Sorry, 3, yeah, 3, 2. Colossians 3, 2. It's a short verse. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And as, if, if you've heard the saying, did we wake up dead this morning? I know that sounds a little grim and dark, but... Um, and it's as it's been mentioned with, with Jesus Christ and the cross, is we are dead in our sins when we, we are born. Um, we are depraved souls, and without God's law, we wouldn't understand how much we really need Christ and how much we need the cross and how many times it's been said the more you look at the cross the more you'll realize how dead you really are in your, your own sins by yourself without Jesus Christ um, and the other verse is Second Peter Second Peter chapter 1 Chapter 1, verses 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. If you might have heard the saying, knowledge is power, most times you hear that it's not really meaning what they what it should mean. Uh, the knowledge of God is power, not just the knowledge of just whatever. The knowledge of God is what's really true, truly power. And coming out of high school, it, you don't really understand that until you start getting a little bit older. Some might grasp that idea a little bit sooner than others. Um, and a lot, of a lot of people do have to experience some of the world to circle back around, you know, as Jen Saki says, I'll circle back on that one. Uh, you have, you'll, you'll circle back eventually, and, you know, God's will will, will pull you back in his time. Amen. And you'll see it, even if it's not you, it might be your own family member or a cousin or a, a friend who's wayward. And, you know, God will, God will draw them back in his due time if, it's be, if it be his will. And there's no need to be fearful or afraid that something will happen to him because it's, it's all in God's timing that he will draw them back and the Holy Spirit will divinely pull within them this desire to come back home where they are rooted, if they had roots. And 
having grown up here in my, this community that I've been so blessed to have, it's taken a few years to grasp how ungrateful I was about it. Because of having grown up in it, I didn't really, I didn't really understand how blessed I really was. And a lot of people who come from afar, especially at the festival growing up as a kid, it was, uh, it was really awesome having so many people come, and of course, every time the festival came to an end, that was the worst part of the, sit, the festival, because all my friends were leaving. But I always took for granted as a member here of this community my whole life, born and raised in it, that I didn't really grasp how grateful I should have been for the fellowship that was occurring here, even as a kid. And having strayed a little bit after high school, getting out into work, even though I was always present here for the most part, I was not here like spiritually in a sense. I wasn't, a, I wasn't attending in my, I was here in my physical, but I wasn't here in my mental, if you, if you know what I mean. I was just checked out. I was here, but I was checked out. And I wasn't really applying myself to the God's word as I should be. And uh, just seeing so much of the world, because I moved out about 18 years old, 19. Of course, that took some work to do for my parents, to get out, get out of the house for my parents. Not because I didn't like them, but uh, just because I was so eager to get out there and experience what it was like to live on my own. And of course, you quickly learn that it's a lot harder than you think. And making a living wage is not too hard, but as a young teen, you think, oh, it's pretty easy and piece of cake. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not really as easy as you think. And it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot more responsibility when you first get out there. And um, reaching into this community when I was out, moved out from my parents, um, I, I could definitely feel the Holy Spirit's draw for a while. And it was because it, because it, I, I had my taste in partying and having fun like that, and I did enjoy them in my physical self. I did enjoy them, but I, something wasn't quite right, and the, the I could feel this pull to wean myself from doing all that stuff, and I was slowly coming back here, cleaning myself up, just, uh, and uh, I could just definitely feel that God was moving in my life to turn my life over to here and focus more attention here and I'm trying to fit this into a worldview perspective for you guys and especially the ones that are closer to my age um, so I can relate to you better that even though it took a couple of years before it happened the, the draw was pretty strong and having having that feeling within you that even though all your friends out in the world who aren't in the message like we are here are really might be close with you, they're, they're not as close as you think they are with you. Even though, you know, we've had several late nights talking about, like, yeah, yeah, I want to, I will always be your friend, I'll always be with you, or always, you'll always have your back and you'll always have mine, you know, those late night talks. And, and now I don't see them ever again um, because they, they don't believe the same as I do. So in a sense, it, I was unequally yoked with even my friends out there. And I had my friends here too, of course, but I just spent more time with them. 
than my own like-minded kinfolk here. And as my worldview has shifted over time, and in a short period of time, because I know I'm, I've been blessed to have shifted so quickly in comparison to other people who I've, I've heard of and seen shift years and years later into their old age, I've been grateful and blessed to know that God was pulling me back here, making me shift my mind and focus towards him more. And I feel as though because of that, it was preparing me for my wife, who I have now. And I, I, can't, I'm, I can't describe how grateful I am that uh, she is, can only be given to me from God alone because, and here's what I will say is, it did take a large part of my, on my, on my part to engage in that relationship. So guys, don't, don't think God's just going to drop her in your lap because it takes, it's going to take a lot on your part to do your, it's going to take a lot to do your part um, and not to just blow it off and be like, ah, maybe she's not the one. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put in the effort to do that, but I did my part and here I'm married to a, a woman who I could never be more grateful for. And like Reed was talking about in his sermon the other night about the loyalties dra dragging in the same direction, it really hit me well with that one. Having, having gone through, having experienced many of the girls out in the world, guys, they're slim pickings. <laughs> and unless you're really good evangelizing, it's going to be really hard to find a good wife who believes the same as you and will believe that way for the rest of your life. Because she, she might be a good woman at the start, but when she has to start pulling away from her own family who do not believe the same, it's gonna, it's gonna, things are gonna go bad, most likely. Hopefully not, but most likely. But having met Anna's family and just the the harmony that was there was, I, I just, it was, un, it was almost an unresistible desire to pursue her. <laughs> and to put in the effort to drive those five hours multiple trips regardless of the money I had to spend and getting a new car to do it I could care less about the car I just wanted to get over there and regardless of the late nights getting back home late Sunday night getting back to work Monday morning the, the sleepless days I'm young I can handle it and so can you and it's having a few sleepless nights is nothing compared to what I used to do out in the world, just getting one or two hours of sleep and going back to work. But for what? Just because I was out late partying for nothing and for a waste of time. And having experienced being married now and just putting my whole worldview from up to this point into a, a canned box as my grandpa would like, even though I know he's not expecting that. Is he here today? I don't see him here. Oh, he's not feeling well. Okay. But uh, I enjoy it when he does that because it really forces you to think really hard and to get your mind in gear to get a lot of deep thinking out of your mouth, like in words. And a worldview is really hard to do that with. 
And uh, I can only say that when your worldview changes to a biblical worldview, siphoning everything that happens in the world through scripture, God's going to move in your life so fast you won't even believe it. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen so fast, a couple of years will seem like a few months. And to, it's, you, just, you won't understand it, you'll just do it anyway, because he's going he's gonna to make you do it anyway. And you might think you have free choice, which I think we do, but it's not outside of God's sovereign will for your life. And he's going to draw you in to do whatever he wants you to do, no matter what you choose to do. You might ping pong around here and there, but you're going to arrive in the destination he wants you to be at, no matter what. And I can only be grateful for the people who pulled a few strings in the background. I'll pick on Ryan and Shana uh, for, you know, pushing Anna and I together at the ice cream and in the kitchen and getting us to talk, talk to each other a little bit. And uh, people like that I'm grateful for. And uh, don't completely dismiss people like that who are, you know, trying to match make you. <laughs> so, because it, it might work out for the better, so you never know. But to put a worldview in perspective, I guess those are the words I have. And it's good to have a worldview, but make sure it's a biblical worldview. Because there's two different, there's two difference, made big differences there. Because everyone has a worldview out there, no matter how shallow it is. If it's not a biblical worldview, it's not a good one. So, that's about all I have to say on that's on my mind. Thank you.